Hi, welcome to Rivers to Resilience podcast, where you'll gain insights and knowledge into resilience and where you'll be inspired, motivated and transformed. I'm so pleased to have with me on today's show, Nicola Richardson, who is a management consultant from The People Mentor. So Nicola, please share with us about your role as a management consultant. What does that entail on a day-to-day basis? Hi, Martina. Lovely to be here. So what does it involve? Well, I like to call myself the team fixer. So we will have teams with problems. Often Mm -hmm. the first signs are perhaps sick absence, maybe because of mental health issues or maybe manifesting in other symptoms. Quite often, back problems, etc., they often come out like that. We also see people um, leaving work and not returning. We, you know, we see a high loss. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll see behaviours that simply aren't acceptable in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually uh, an employer will call me in probably when it's probably really ingrained and really a bad case. Mm-hmm. Quite often they fail to see the the issues arising as they start so I often go in when it's really bad um, and then what I do is a review to see what's going on you know looking at the root cause of the problem finding that and then coming up with some actions and some training and some mentoring as well so yeah right okay now that sounds great so it sounds like it's quite a varied role and I guess it's a, a role that's quite critical especially in these times during COVID when I guess employees, a lot of employees are working remotely and from home. So would you say that there's there's been quite a a kind of change in your role or kind of greater demand as a result Um, of COVID? I actually think people at the minute are really not looking at that side. They're just trying to get through day by day around the COVID-19. And I think they're missing a trick at the moment, personally. Um, Because in my view, if you can get your... employees engaged and feeling like they're trusted while they're remote working Mm -hmm. and you're listening to their concerns then they're going to work more productively for you they're going to go the extra mile and having managed teams in the past that have remotely worked I know this is true from my experience Mm -hmm. yeah what kind of strategies would you use to increase employee engagement especially during these times you know living in a pandemic and in terms of resilience how can increasing employee engagement help to possibly build resilience yeah so it it does help resilience because you if you're in increasing employee engagement um then you're at by the the very act of listening to your employee involving them so don't go ahead and and just do things without talking to them and consulting them and asking Mm -hmm. them for their ideas if you actually do all of that then people feel that they've got some elements of control in their life Mm -hmm. that immediately starts to build their resilience yeah so in my view, you know, that's that's really where it all starts. And it's also about the building that trust. If mm-hmm. you feel you can trust somebody, then you're more likely to open up as well. when when you're not feeling a hundred percent, you're gonna share that. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I can from what you've shared, I can see how it could potentially be more difficult with the remote working, building trust with, I guess, an employee working remotely, maybe 
working in another country or working in another city. I'm just wondering how could that possibly be enhanced and how can organisations overcome the potential challenges of increasing employee engagement and ensuring that, I guess, ensuring that they, the employees are resilient in these difficult and unprecedented times that we're all facing globally? Yeah, no, it, it's a difficult one. And I think the first thing is to realise it's not all about work. It's about, first of all, considering what you can do around resilience training in the workplace, mm -hmm. in my yeah. view. And it's quite easy to do virtual one that will leave your employees feeling a little bit more positive mm -hmm. and also able to paint the way forward and the actions they need to take, not only for themselves, but in the workplace too. I also think it's about giving the opportunity to open up. So when I was yeah. remote managing across the country, um, we were dotted all over and what we used to do was have um, virtual um, catch-ups. Mm -hmm. uh, we would do it every day. And I know that seems quite onerous. We, it would only be 10, 20 minutes. It was whatever was needed. You know, how's it going? Got any problems? Um, some of the days we'd probably just talk about how we were feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, Monday would often be, how was your weekend? You know, and it would be... And I'm sure it is now with COVID-19, it would be, you know, well, it's been much of the same mm -hmm. as until recently when we yeah. get out again. Mm -hmm. And it's about listening to what's been said to you. And then as a manager, picking up when you need to check in on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's I th right. I think one of the, the worst examples I had was because it's not that long since I left working uh, was I was remote working and a relative died and uh, they my manager knew I was going to the funeral and when I came back in the next day didn't ask me how it had gone didn't check in and when I actually challenged him because that's what I do if I have to mm -hmm. yeah. um, I said I actually said I'm really disappointed you know that you didn't ask yeah. me and, and rightly like, so yeah, yeah he said well, I asked you in the middle of a meeting with everybody else and I went, no, 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 that's not the place to do it. Oh, that's awful. That, that sounds like a manager that's lacking in emotional intelligence and mm. self-awareness. Mm. So that's what not to do if you're managing a team during these difficult times. Exactly. I, I like to think that I probably gave him some insight because <laughs> um, at every corner, I'm afraid I was a bit of a thorn in his side because I would tell him. Yeah. Well, that, that's important. And I guess for managers and, and leaders, it's important to gain feedback, isn't it, from mm. your employees, because that helps you to become aware of your blind spots and to develop and grow as a leader. And being mm. able to receive feedback is, is, is critical. And yeah. it's important for personal development as well, isn't it? It's not just about um, in the workplace. No, I think in fairness, I look back to my younger self and I cringe at some of the things I did. Um, right. <laughs> and I, I can always remember having a, an employee who'd had a heart attack and it was 10 years before and he still harped on about it. And I couldn't really get that at the time. And mm -hmm. it took me having a heart attack myself to realise it never leaves you. It's there in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes you have to accept that about people and it's... It, it was a great learning curve for me mm -hmm. because it made me realise that people go through things and sometimes they can't let go and you've mm -hmm. just got to go with them on it. Yeah. And I guess that highlights 
but sometimes you've got to take an individual approach with your employees and also with enhancing resilience because some individuals may be more resilient in particular areas so they might be emotionally more self-aware so more able to self-regulate whereas others may struggle and may need a bit of guidance um with that so I think that's such a great point that you've highlighted yeah and then you won't yeah, you were also sharing about, I guess, what your experience has been in the past in terms of how organisations can build resilience in terms of offering resilience training and checking in daily. And I think that is so critical, especially with working remotely and social connectedness and community is so important in building resilience and having a safe place to to express gratitude and to, I guess, to grow and develop as um as an individual so I'm so glad that you that you highlighted that um yeah it's the building trust isn't it as well so you've got to have the trust in the first place for people to open up yeah so one of the things I always used to say to him to managers when um I first started working with them is you know if somebody comes and asks you something and you can't answer it that's fine tell them you can't answer it but Mm -hmm. tell them you'll go away and find out and make sure you go back. That's just one of the builders of trust. Yes. Yes. That's such a great example. Yeah. That that really resonates with me because it takes me back to my younger self and maybe just, I mean, a long time ago, you know, when when studying and even I'll say now, even working as a therapist and sometimes clients might ask me certain things or ask me to signpost them. And if I don't know, I'm in a, a, you know, I've kind of developed over the years and I've acknowledged that actually it's a strength to acknowledge your weaknesses because that allows you to grow. And as you shared, it's building and developing trust as well, isn't it? Exactly. Which exactly. Yeah. And I think I think it's really good because you've, you've talked about signposting and as managers and leaders, you often think you need to know everything, but what you don't, what you need to do is find out necessarily where to signpost people to. You yeah. can't be the expert and you're not a doctor. You're not, you're not a consultant. You're not, you're not um, somebody that, that does the sort of things that you do. You're not mm-hmm. trained that way. So mm-hmm. you can't possibly do it all. You've mm-hmm. got to signpost people to the right place for the right yeah. help. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's great. So in terms of organisations, how, how else do you think they can possibly build resilience? So not, not only limited to cope during, you know, living in a pandemic, but just in general, what, how, how can they build resilience in their employees and in themselves, leaders, how can they, they build it? So I think one of the things that stands out to me, um, a while back I worked with a business and nobody knew what their purpose was their why so they were doing a role it mm-hmm. kept changing they weren't very clear on what the actual expectations around that role were mm-hmm. um, and what you actually saw was their resilience was dipping because right. they didn't feel they'd got a real purpose and a real why mm-hmm. and interestingly that that actually links together with so many things so the one thing you need to do is make sure that you're telling people what they're actually there for, what their what their what what their roles and the responsibilities are, what they're actually trying to achieve their vision, mm-hmm. which not many people do paint, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, and then your expectations help as well, mm-hmm. um, because you're then clear. You know what the boundaries are. You know where you're going, mm-hmm. and and you feel like 
well, I've got this better vision. It's The road looks clearer. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel a little bit happier. And it also adds to the way you feel inside about control because we all yeah. need that that internal control. <laughs> and if, we, if we're floundering and we're like, well, we don't know what we're doing here. We mm-hmm. don't know what we're really trying to achieve. Yeah. What's panic inside, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I guess that can result in people becoming more anxious because there's that lack of yeah. purpose lack of stability and we know that research suggests that one in four people will experience a common mental health problem in their lifetime and during covid i would say that that's probably increased definitely yeah so organizations have to prioritize that and and, and ensure that that you know the why is clear there's there's purpose and, and clear leadership I think another thing that stands out to me is expect there to be dips and peaks in productivity. Don't don't expect yeah. it to be consistent. It isn't in the workplace anyway, but mm-hmm. more so now. Yeah. People are coping with more. They're sharing spaces for working. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been doing some work with some and they're actually working next to somebody else and they've only got this room to share right. so can you imagine or they're coping with childcare. so it's or they perhaps they're, they've got other care and whereas mm-hmm. before they were out of being a, you know they weren't in the home environment yeah. they were out elsewhere now they're probably getting more demands on them mm-hmm. and that must be incredibly difficult for resilience yeah definitely and i guess it's constantly changing and especially with the furloughing or if you've got maybe a family member or partner who's maybe shielding and who's at risk and having to support them and then being restricted, then the demands placed on you from your children. And then I know it's summer holidays now, but then, you know, having to teach them how 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 do you juggle all of that exactly i think they do i think they've done a remarkable job to be honest yeah. and i think they deserve a pat on the back mm-hmm. no i totally agree with you i totally agree and concur <laughs> it, it's yeah it, it is very very tough and, and, and challenging times that we're all facing but i think in the midst of covid there's been that great sense of community mm-hmm. in the uk you know amongst all of the the frontline workers and staff and you know clapping for the nhs staff and you know i've noticed that lots of um organizations have just been established to support um communities and individuals and it just highlights the importance of community in building resilience because if you feel isolated then it's more difficult to bounce back and to learn and to grow in a in a challenging or, or, or difficult time. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I think that that goes back to the virtual catch ups daily yeah. um, is about acknowledging in those meetings that somebody is juggling all of that mm-hmm. and saying that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You yeah. Know, do what you can mm-hmm. and, and, and we'll live with it because we're grateful you're you're still working to be on this yeah yeah yeah. and it would be great if all organizations took that stance but I'm not (laughs) sure sure that no (laughs) yeah no and I know that I the individuals that I'm working with um the adults who are kind of struggling with you know stress at at the moment in the midst of COVID and home working I know that they're not checking in with each other daily and think that's some of the challenges that they're facing feeling a little bit isolated missing that contact that office contact you know those water cooler um chats all of those things which some I think sometimes you can underestimate the power of them or just having a brew together or just a simple smile 
Mm, I think you're right, because I think back to um, when I, I worked um, in Peterborough and I was managing work across Cambridge, Huntington and Peterborough. Mm-hmm. And my manager actually sat in Cambridge and she never rarely checked in with me, mainly because she said... I was fine. I knew what I was doing and to get on with it. But mm-hmm. it's those moments where you're unsure of yourself. And if you just had somebody you could just have a quick chat to, to just bounce mm-hmm. off of, yeah. it reassures you. And then you don't worry. You don't get yes. that fret mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. So I think think it's by just checking in daily, yeah. it just gives people that opportunity to say, well, I've just been thinking about this and I'm just a little bit concerned. So can I run mm-hmm. it past you? Yeah. And then usually we put in a separate meeting. Mm-hmm. No, so that works great. really well. Yeah, that's a really good strategy. Yeah. And I guess also with creating that space where managers or leaders can check in with their employees daily, I think it's also important to remember that it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, by phone or um, by a video call. It could just be a text message, couldn't it? Or an email. And it's about, yeah, that's that's it. And I guess it's in these these difficult times. It's I think it's about it's important to think outside of the box, isn't it? Mm. And I think it's also about understanding the generational gap. So yeah. so so some of the generations actually prefer it by messenger or chat, yeah. while others like me w- would want you to have a chat with me on Teams or yeah. on phone, yeah, um, because I like voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about understanding as well. I really mm-hmm. understanding your people. And if you don't, then it's about time you did because yeah. that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Now, that's such a powerful point that you've, that you've highlighted. And I guess that will help with increasing performance and productivity within yeah. your organisation. And like you shared earlier, building trust, which mm-hmm. will help with employee engagement and building emotional resilience ultimately. Yeah. So I think that I think from that, I'd say that communication is vital mm-hmm. and that um, just consider all the mediums. Don't just don't, yeah. just don't get stuck in one type. Yeah. Don't do yeah. emails all the time. Nothing yeah. worse than a than an inbox full of emails. Is yeah. And, and how do you know if they've read the email? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what role would you say? From your perspective, does resilience have in people management and performance management? I think it's I think it's huge. I think people um, really underestimate it. Mm-hmm. I think it's tuning into others, picking up the signs, and I think it's key to, for that business to actually survive and grow. It needs to be looking at the emotional resilience of its teams. Yeah, and I think more now than ever because. Mm-hmm. When times are uncertain, resilience starts to dip. Yes. And it's about equipping people with the tools that means they can handle those different changes. I think I think what stood out to me was I was working on a load of projects where I did, most of the time I didn't really have much information and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what it was like drip fed as yeah. things happened mm-hmm. and that that's quite a horrible feeling so I had to look at myself and work out what it was of why I couldn't handle it with change when I didn't know mm-hmm. it's that not knowing bit yeah. um, and so I did a lot of work around how I handled to change not knowing mm-hmm. with not knowing did some great workshops mm-hmm. um, which really helped me to 
understand myself so that when I did get change coming in that was really uncertain, not all the facts were there, I was actually able to cope better. And that actually made me a better manager because Mm -hmm. when I didn't know, the staff around me were probably really struggling with the pressure I was putting on them. And I hadn't realized that. So I think you need to look at yourself first and look at Mm -hmm. how you handle things Mm -hmm. and then look at what tools and techniques you can do Mm -hmm. to get you to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Now that's a powerful suggestion in terms of how resilience can be built and how it's kind of linked with people management and performance management. And I'm an avid um, supporter of journaling in helping individuals to become more self-aware and just trying to check in with yourself. Because I know for me, it's not something that I do routinely, but at the beginning of COVID, it was, it was quite, well, it was very stressful. So I just thought I need to start a gratitude journal because it's, you know, it's just getting even worse. And that really helped me to shift my perspective. So I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on journaling and how how managers, leaders, employees can build their self-awareness and, I guess, understand themselves in these difficult times? Yeah, I think, I think journaling is a great tool. Like, I confess, I don't do it that often Mm -hmm. but what I do is particularly when something goes wrong is I do an after action review and I and I really reflect you know what went well what could have been even better I don't do it in a negative manner I I tend to do that one Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you then learn as a result of that because you start to look at well actually if I'd done that this wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. and actually I just need to tweak it tweak it a little bit often it's just little tweaks yeah. that you're not even conscious of until mm-hmm. you sit and reflect mm-hmm. so I think at the very least in business you should and you don't have to do it as an after action you can do it midway yeah um, you know you could do it so many, every three months you can, mm-hmm. you can turn it into whatever you need it to be yeah but at least take that time out to reflect so a bit like journaling but another way of doing it in the workplace mm-hmm. no that's a great suggestion and that's something that I'll be definitely taking on board and I think it's really such a great point that you highlighted in terms of you know you've got a different strategy but there are you know journaling is an option for others and yep. I think it highlights the importance of knowing your employees and knowing that everyone is unique we're wired differently and this is something that I, I always share with um, young people that I work with and adults that it's not one approach that fits all no and that is, is so um, critical because if you do have, if you're of that mindset, that can be detrimental to your employees and that can have a negative effect on the effectiveness of people management and performance management. And ultimately the kind of the success of an organisation, because if you don't know your people, then, you know, there's that, like you said, there's, there's that kind of challenge in building trust in relationships and they're less likely to, I guess, approach a manager and share about some of the challenges that might, that might yeah. be facing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I think you're right. There are there are more than one approach, and I think that's one of the things that you'll often see from managers. Mm-hmm. Um, they will they will give people um, jobs to do. They might delegate some of their work, and they'll explain it, and it goes wrong, and yeah. they say, "Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delegate again," and I, and I have to laugh and I have to say to them, "Well." 
first of all, have you reflected on, you know, how how you shared what that piece of work was, and did you check in part way? And and if we, if we don't actually look at how we do things and pull out the good bits and pull out the bits where we need to improve, mm-hmm. then we're never going to grow as people. Yes, yes. And resilience, growth is critical. Resilience, learning in the storm mm. and, and the, growing. The, yeah. yeah. And the, the other thing I was going to say around the delegation bit is I love dele- delegation mm-hmm. because to me, you're allowing people to go and do it their own way. As long as you tell them what you need at the end, mm-hmm. let them have a go at it. They feel more motivated, which increases their resilience because they feel that you value them and you trust them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's really where I was going to get to is because I just feel that there's a lot of people who write off delegation and actually you need to look at the overall gain that you get from it. So not only are you upskilling people, you're actually giving them confidence as well, yeah. and which helps resilience, which mm-hmm. is another bonus. And I guess it also will help managers with their time management as well, mm. which I know a lot of managers are overwhelmed with multiple tasks managing many employees. Mm-hmm. I remember those times well. Yeah. <laughs> so now we'll shift slightly away from the kind of professional side and maybe kind of just focus a little bit on you personally. And I'd love to hear if you've got maybe an example of when you face a difficult or challenging experience and how you use that to, to build and to grow your resilience. So, I mean... There have been quite a few. Um, the one I'm going to go back to is six years ago, nearly, um, mm. when I had my heart attack, or what what was deemed as a heart attack at that point. Right. To say, suffice to say, they've now right. actually found out this week that's not what it well it was a heart attack, but it was a result of a condition that's apparently very rare, which right. okay. <laughs> which which is great news or not, I'm not yeah. sure. Six years is a long time for them to yeah to take for them to discover that. Yeah, right. exactly. But I had this heart attack and it, and actually what had happened was I was going through a, a really quite difficult time at work. I had a manager who had favourites right. and my dad ended up in hospital for three weeks and I knew he was actually dying oh. and I was really not coping very well. When I look back and reflect, I can see that I was putting pressure on the team around me more than I should have been. Right. Um, and I think that's sometimes what you do with your way of coping. And I think you have mm-hmm. to look at it afterwards and realise it wasn't the right way. Mm-hmm. And she hauled me into the office and she said, you're stressed, you're stressed. Mm-hmm. And I immediately clammed up um, and just burst into tears. And I wasn't going to say, she knew that my father was in hospital mm-hmm. or had been in hospital. And I just felt, I don't want to open up and tell you anymore. Mm. I don't feel like I can trust you. So it ended up with her telling me that I ought to go home and I ought to have some weeks off, even though I hadn't actually said what the real issues were and I wasn't going to admit I was stressed. Yeah. And then I went home. My father subsequently died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's one of those things. He was old, so, mm-hmm. you know, he'd had a good life. <laughs> but you have to work through that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And 
So we buried him and three days later I had a heart attack having gone back into work. And I'd been walking around with this heart attack for three days, which I always crack up. Oh, right. Um, It made me stop and look at my life because it was very pressurised at work. Mm -hmm. And I was juggling lots of things and I Mm realised this couldn't go on. Yeah. So I took a month out and reflected got myself better started doing more exercise mm-hmm. which I needed to do because I wasn't clearly doing enough mm-hmm. started looking at my eating habits yeah all of that and then went back to work and that was quite a rocky road because in the time that I had been off they had decided to change my job without any consultation oh god and so they moved me so these are all the things I talk about that you don't do as a manager yeah. and leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Noted. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I go and I, and I went back in and I wasn't really, this is where purpose comes in. I wasn't really told what my role was or mm-hmm. really involved. And I really struggled with it, but I carried on because mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. And I actually loved what I did most of the time. And the role evolved and it went into continuous improvement. And actually, it was a real bonus. It gave me some real skills I hadn't had before. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that opportunity now. I'm mm-hmm. glad it did happen. Um, and, but what it, what it taught me was that I had to pick myself up and dust myself down. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of anguish at times. You wonder why you've been moved. You, you're struggling with your grief as well. And, and you, but you just have to just take one day at a time I think and keep walking forward mm-hmm. very slowly sometimes yeah. you want to have tears and rage and mm-hmm. that's fine yeah you gotta let yourself do that mm-hmm. but you don't give up you just got to keep going yeah and I'm so glad I did because actually what came out of that was when I sat down and reflected and thought about how I viewed how managers should behave I realized that wasn't what I expected mm-hmm. the behavior I expected and I wanted to go out and it ignited a burning desire in me to show managers the way it should be mm-hmm. and to create the compassion and empathy that should be in workplaces mm-hmm. so I actually started my business so I went and did right. I started oh, my business and yeah because I wouldn't have done it if that hadn't happened mm-hmm. right that's fantastic yeah and I think it's also taught me a lot about, I think I'd had it fairly good in some ways. So it taught me to view view it from other people's eyes sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. be able to empathise more. Because yeah. you think until you've had some sort of that sort of experience, you don't see things quite the same way. Because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to stand in somebody else's shoes, isn't it? Yes, it can be. It can be, yeah. So it sounds like from what you've shared that, during that, that that difficult time with unfortunately losing your dad and then the, the heart attack, that you made some lifestyle changes, which helped to build your resilience. So you looked at your diet, you looked at your eating. And then when you returned to work, unfortunately, you discovered that your role had changed. But rather than focusing on the, I guess, what is what you'd lost, you meant you, you decided to shift your mindset to a more positive one or, you know, to a growth mindset and you looked for opportunities Mm, definitely which led you to a path of you know establishing your business and Mm. I guess connecting with your why which is so powerful Mm. yeah I know that that's great thanks for sharing that when people ask me it actually reignites it in me I can feel it there 
yeah. That's why I did it. Mm-hmm. No, that's I think sometimes you, need, sometimes you need to go back to that as well to, to remember, because sometimes life can be a struggle. Yeah. And business can be a struggle. Yeah. And you need to just stop and reflect on why you did start in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's connecting with your values, isn't it? What is important to you as an individual? Because like you said, you, you, you do get lost. And then you wonder why you're so stressed because you're not being true to, mm. to who you are or, or to yourself or you're pursuing goals or opportunities that are not really aligned with you. As that's an individual. right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's such a great nugget or gem that, that you've just shared. So one final question that I want to share with you links with, I was, I was creating a, a kind of an article for something that I was asked to, to produce recently. And as I was doing the research, I was just looking at the Office of National Statistics and some of the recent stats that are produced around well-being, health, mental health in the midst of COVID. So one of the stats that was released in June, which was from the Opinions and Lifestyle Survey, suggested that due to COVID, that life satisfaction is significantly reduced and that a lot of people are believing or feeling that the things that they're doing are not really worthwhile or important. And that will be reflective of employees. And I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on how that can possibly be addressed? How organisations can help to increase life satisfaction? Yeah, I think it's about better work-life balance mm-hmm. for a start. I yeah. think I think we've all slowed down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly from the, the resilience training I actually went into last week, what clearly mm-hmm. came out of that was people want to stay slowed down they don't want to be juggling everything yeah and that was the the resounding message yeah it was um that was the one thing when we looked at what we wanted to keep 12 months time we Mm -hmm. all wanted that yeah and we wanted time for our hobbies we wanted Mm -hmm. time for our families and friends Mm -hmm. and when we when you look back on what our pace has been like it's been getting worse and worse and I think employees employers need to understand this Mm -hmm. and start thinking Instead of trying to get team members to work 12, 13 hours, maybe perhaps now's the time to consider whether they actually need to take somebody else on. And I know this brings in extra costs, but if you start looking at it logically, Mm -hmm. you're actually helping, the as we've discussed, the well-being of your team, but you're also future-proofing yourself aren't you because you're 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 sharing skills you're developing new people so that as your turnover starts to go up because Mm -hmm. of people reaching older ages and and in organizations I've been we've seen this where we've had a glut of people in their 50s 60s and there was Mm -hmm. real concern around what was going to happen because they would leave for mm-hmm. retirement and where would that leave you so you've got to start thinking about what's the future look like and doing some work around that and realizing that yeah maybe you are taking somebody in and maybe it is diluting your costs for a while mm-hmm. but actually what will the benefits be one of them is also great ideas yeah fresh eyes yeah. as well and also I mean I I, I I was so lucky I managed a team a series of teams where we had the one the oldies I'd say who'd always been in there 30 yeah. years plus a bit like me um, mm-hmm. for a long time and and then you'd you'd get the apprentices in 
And the the chemistry was overwhelming. People who say it doesn't work, it does work. Mm-hmm. The oldies, yeah, tended to mother a bit mm-hmm. or father, whichever way you want to put it. <laughs> Um, but the the young ones would upskill with digital mm-hmm. and they would do great things. They'd do things like Easter egg tasting, um, hot cross bun tasting, right. um, mince pie tasting. You know, they, they, they would get them buzzing mm-hmm. by, by having the, the different generations in. Yeah. And it was fantastic to watch. And all the new ideas that were coming out because they'd come in and go, well, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, tell me what. And they'd go, they'd tell them, they'd go, well, that's not a good reason. Mm-hmm. So why don't we change it? And that's what you need. And that actually, that positivity actually then helps your well-being and your resilience. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Such great suggestions for how organisations can future-proof themselves and continue to grow. And what you shared in terms of the young individuals bringing those digital skills and knowledge is so important, especially during COVID with mm-hmm. you know a high proportion and of the population working remotely and research suggests that once this pandemic ceases whenever that may be that the more people will be working from home because they've acknowledged the benefits of it organizations and big businesses can actually save money yeah or um, employees working at home and then the office you know, there'll be less of a demand for for office spaces. So the world that we're living in is is just changing drastically. Yeah, it is, and we've 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 got to ensure that we're we're ready for that. And I guess it's about upskilling yourself for those who have maybe lost the jobs. Unfortunately, upskilling yourself, using it, using this time as an opportunity to grow and to and to excel. Yeah, mm, definitely. Yeah. I, I just I just think that mixing generations and um and remotely bringing a bit of fun in as well mm-hmm. um so you know look look at what you do um virtually and see mm-hmm. what you can bring in i yeah. i've been amazed some of them are, i thought my presentational skills were okay mm-hmm. um as in you know doing doing presentation packs and things but i've met some fantastic young ones who absolutely do wonders with slide packs and who actually can create games using slide packs and I'm just like wow you know and then and then they'll do quizzes and things with the teams Mm -hmm. and and you watch them and you watch the spark it gives everybody else Mm -hmm. no that's great and I guess it just further highlights what you've suggested that you've got to try and be innovative in these times if you want to remain in operation in, in, in yeah. reality because it is so competitive out there isn't it in business it yeah. really is yeah I think one of the, one of the biggest things that ever stood out to me was I went to do some workshops with um, some GP practices mm-hmm. and uh, what came out of that clearly was that they all had problems and they felt they weren't listened to and the problems were just left right. it was just like that's so easy to solve why aren't mm-hmm. they doing it I think sometimes when you're immersed in an organisation, you can't see the wood for the trees because you, you, you're, you're too ingrained in, 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 right. in the culture of the organisation. Yeah. I think another one that stands out to me, actually thinking about resilience, is respect as well. Mm-hmm. Have you got respect for each other? 
Mm. because that helps build resilience as well. And I guess a lot of what you've, you've shared is these are, I guess it's about personal development, isn't it? You've, you've got to reflect and, and look at yourself as an individual, which can be tough. And even as a manager, because simply because you're in a management position doesn't mean that, you, that you've arrived. It doesn't mean you've arrived or that you're right. Far mm-hmm. from it. And it's about being, I think it's about being vulnerable at times. Yeah. Um, which is quite emotionally intelligent in my view. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's about, yeah, vulnerability and authentic. Just be yourself, but admit mm-hmm. when you've got it wrong. Yeah. And say sorry. What's wrong with saying yeah. sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's so powerful what you've shared. And it makes me think it, it kind of links back with influence. If you can build trust and respect, then you're more able to influence your employees, your organization. You're more able to get results. And ultimately, that's what businesses want. They want productivity. They want their employees and staff to achieve their their goals. And it will make it easier to performance manage staff. Exactly, because we're we're one of the the lowest countries on productivity. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I looked at it a while back and there was, and I am quoting only from memory, so do forgive me if I've got this wrong. Mm -hmm. I think there was a period where it had started to go up. And when I I thought about it and thought about the type of environment I was in at that point in time, it was a much more inclusive environment and it didn't feel quite so rushed. Mm-hmm. So, so there was time to solve things. There was time to include people in yeah. discussions. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a little bit now at the moment of people at the top making decisions, but not actually involving the voices at the bottom mm-hmm. who actually probably have got very good insight. Yeah. And that then means they feel excluded, no mm-hmm. control again. Mm-hmm. Then that starts to destroy their well-being and resilience. Yeah. So what what strategies would you suggest that um, leaders and managers can use to ensure that they are involving their employees and I guess giving them opportunities to, you know, to be involved, promoting inclusivity and ultimately helping to build resilience during difficult times when difficult decisions need to be made? I think it's just about... Um, problem solving learn how to do problem solving properly mm-hmm. uh, people think they know how to do problems and they'll they'll discuss the problem but they've probably not got to the root cause most of the time actually mm-hmm. if involved their employees and went through it even if it's the five whys mm-hmm. keep drilling down so why why did that happen mm-hmm. that happened well yes but what caused that to happen then you can use mm-hmm. why what when and how yeah um i think it's about doing good problem solving asking for ideas mm-hmm. when you're bringing something in tell them about it don't do it behind closed doors Ask yeah they're thinking there are occasions when yes you have to mm-hmm. and, and i don't doubt it and i totally get that but in the majority of cases they don't need to be so top secret so why not involve your employees and get their views and their thoughts and if they say to you well that won't work so ask them how it will work what could they change of it what could they adapt slightly to make it work Mm -hmm. and rather than just leaving it because Mm -hmm. 
they will tell you where you're going to have hiccups and quite often changes come in and they do fail because they haven't consulted in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, that, that highlights the importance of having that inclusive environment so the employees feel that they've got a voice and they are contributing and they are heard and that their, their opinions are, I guess, valuable to the, the managers. And it just highlights the, employee, the importance of knowing your employees, mm. as you kind of highlighted earlier. Yes. So it's been, it's been such a, a privilege and an honour to have you on today's podcast, Nicola. Thank you. Thanks for sharing all of your insights, all of your knowledge, which will enable organisations to grow, to excel, to bounce back and to develop in resilience. So thanks for listening to us, everyone, today during this journey of building resilience, during the journey of those rivers to resilience. Enjoy the rest of your evening and we will check in with you soon with our next podcast. Have a great evening.